You're like so gay. Hey, all you sexual deviants. <laughs> sexual deviant wannabes. What's up? How are What's we? What's good? Yo, it is, I got a serious case of the Mondays today. Oh, true. Same. I mean, I know you got it worse than I do, but... <laughs> I'm unwell, but I, it's fine. I, yeah, I'm also struggling. Aaron, why are you so unwell? Well, yesterday, Ian had his flight at 11.30 back to Boston. He's been in... For everyone listening, he's been in LA for like a month, and he just went home. Um, so, naturally, we hung out until his flight and drank a lot of rosé. Right. <laughs> and large margaritas. I mean, it sounds like... <laughs> I mean, sounds like a lovely Sunday. It was fun, but I'm paying the price. Let's just put it that way. It it probably doesn't make for the best of Mondays. No. No, 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 no. I think I need a month of sobriety. Yeah. That sounds nice. Yeah. What's what's up? Um, what's up? I mean... yesterday was National Coming Out Day. That's... Yes. And today is Indigenous People's Day. Yes. And tomorrow is Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like tomorrow is something, or maybe that's just my, like, feeling of dread towards another day of school. There was, like, Lesbian Visibility Day, too, I think, on, like, Friday or something. I think you're right. I can probably like, check my, like, just like one of my group day. chats. Every day I mean, is every, Lesbian Day. Yeah, in the same way that every day is Indigenous People's Day, so. And Coming Out Day. Yeah, really. So, shout out to all those people. Um, I th- I feel like in talking about national coming out day it's important to note that and i know we've said it before but you don't have to come out to have your queer identity be valid and if it's not safe for you to come out and it's better for you to stay in the yeah protect yourself so if you did come out we love you we support you if you didn't come out or if you can't come out we love you and we support you just as much hell yeah yeah you and that is the only one of those days that I feel qualified to speak on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did also want to have some space today for um, Indigenous Peoples Day because it's uh, incredibly important to recognize what this day used to be called, Christopher Columbus Day, and to understand that that is wildly horrible and he's a disgusting figure and was a disgusting person um and to just hold a little extra space for the people whose land that we're on today yep 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 yep. and i guess the last thing with that that i wanted to do was just to shout out a couple of instagram accounts um that i follow and have been looking at a little more closely today um there is indigenous people's movement it's all one word they're a global coalition a global coalition bringing awareness of issues affecting indigenous people um and then indigenous action um an anti-colonial agitation and action organization so so those are two great accounts that i've been following that i would recommend if you want to just Educate yourself a little bit more. I'm doing it every day and need to continue to do it on issues affecting indigenous communities today and every day. 
And it's good that you're shouting those out because we didn't, <laughs> we didn't uh, do an organization in this episode. This is also I... <laughs> quite a quite an episode. It is quite an episode. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna. Well, so we started recording at like what midnight my time. Yeah, yeah, and I was. Um, I don't want to say drunk, but you know how like when you are are like we were at drunk. least <laughs> yeah okay, we were well, uninhibited yes, but uh, it was a lot of fun. It was it's one of those things where like you look back and you're like, oh god, I don't know what I talked about for two hours, and oh, Ian texted me in a panic the next day. He was like, you can't use any of that, and I was like, it's gonna be <laughs> fine. <laughs> like we will get through this. Do not worry. Yes, no, it was good. It was it was a lot of fun. It was super interesting conversation. Um, mm-hmm. It was fun to do one that was, like, really personal. I guess, like, more about me and, like, I was drawing on, like, my past experiences and talking about my life a little bit more so than any other episode we'd done before. So that was really exciting. So Yeah, Ian interviews people for his job, so he definitely flipped it a little bit. And instead of us interviewing Ian, Ian was interviewing Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I but, thought we d- I thought there was we did a good job of trying to like balance it out a little bit or maybe he did a good job of balancing it out. I wasn't in my uh my best professional podcast interviewer capacity. So <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, it's a fun conversation. What did you think of it as like someone who does didn't really know everything that we were talking about? I thought it was fascinating. I mean, I I think it's interesting how much I still related to a lot of what you were saying, even though I obviously went to a very different high school and had a very different high school experience. A lot of the Mm -hmm. threads were still kind of, like, the same and relatable. Gotcha. I guess we should, like, maybe give people some context for everything we're saying. Because they're probably like, okay, that's all cool. What are you talking about? Okay. So give them context. (laughs) Well, I was opening the floor for you, but fine, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) We interviewed Ian and Sydney. Yeah, we interviewed Ian and Sydney, both of whom I went to high school with. They were in the grade below me. And then Ian went to Tufts with both of us. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool to look back on high school with the hindsight is twenty twenty lens and to kind of, like, dive into the psychology of why I felt and did some of the things that I did in high school. Yeah. Um, and Sydney is not a queer person gasp but the the the... gasp is actually the name of our uh gay straight alliance really (laughs) yeah gay and straight people only gay and straight people (laughs) gay and straight people i'm i wonder if it's i don't know if it's changed by now but totally all right well aaron is being called away so i hope you guys enjoy the episode (laughs) it's great um this is going to be part one and then part two is going to come out next week because yeah, it was motherfucking a two and a half hour yeah. conversation. Yeah, it was quite a lot. But I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. So, au revoir. Ciao, ciao, ciao for now. This is going to be quite an interview. I'm really excited to see where this is going to go. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. We are here for the Milton uh, seven-year, six-year, fifth-year, fourth-year reunion. 
Well, I just graduated, so... I'm 11, so shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going into freshman year at Littleton. Yeah, this is your orientation program. Welcome. I can't wait. Could you imagine if that was your orientation leader in high school? It would have been a lot more fun. Yeah, well, maybe. If I was doing it now, if I were like in high school leading orientation, probably not, because there's a lot of self-hate going on, but... Matt, who are we joined by today? I don't know. Why don't you ask them? They're sitting next to you. Okay, we're joined by Ian and Sydney. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) We're very, very excited. I'm super fucking excited for this. This is going to be very fun. Well, Um, we're excited to be here. (laughs) For sure. Who are you? Take it away. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> or do you want us to introduce you? Should we like roll out the red carpet? I was expecting it, but I can rise oh, to the Okay. Oh, oh, we had our oh, bios. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they no. sent, they had their PR team send us their like their releases. This is the first interview that we're doing with three people in one place and one person in the other place. So we're figuring, this is, we're growing. (laughs) We're figuring it out. My name is Ian Malone, and I'm here with one of my closest friends, Sydney, and she and I went to Milton Academy with Matt Rohrer, and I also went to Tufts with Aaron and Matt. Yes. Yes. Sydney, what about you? He's kind of like our triplet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I went to Milton for high school, and then I came out to LA to go to USC, and now I'm just here. <laughs> just fine, <laughs> You know, that LA. Um, you guys were not the same year at Milton though, right? Matt was, I was a year ahead. 2013, yeah. and we were all 2014 from high school. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh ma'am. God, man. That was so long ago. And I have to give... Matt a huge amount of credit because he was by far the first out gay person I knew at Milton. His face. Making noise. (laughs) I mean, I knew a few more, but like not of the level. Yeah, I mean there were a handful. (laughs) Not any flaming homosexuals. (laughs) I don't know if it's the alcohol, but like my eyes are watering a little bit. No, and what's funny is Matt and I were actually not close friends until we got to Tufts, but it was still so encouraging when I first came out, which was like sophomore year, to see someone who was the grade above me, who was out, who was proud, but not overly defined by his sexuality, because even though it's incredible, I would say a lot of the guys who were older by a couple years who were out they were known as the gay kids and that was not matt he had friends from all over um from different sort of social circles so that was hugely encouraging you're gonna make him cry i am crying (laughs) Aww. ian that's like that's probably the nicest thing i've ever heard do we want to just like dive right into high school yeah well i mean this is ian and matt and sydney's high school reunion so yeah and I, I haven't been to a reunion yet, so I didn't go really? to my, I didn't go to my R five year. Yeah. Oh, I had such a good time at my five year reunion. Really? I was so drunk. I asked Mr. Point blank, Are you gay? What was his Matthew? answer? 
You did? I did point blank. And he said, no, I'm not. And then just continued with conversation. Like it was <laughs> I always thought that was the reason why he like prosecuted me was because <laughs> he was in love with me. Yeah, he was like on my dick for every little thing. Like I was always smart oh. enough never to get DC'd, but in my narcissistic brain, I'm what like, does that he's mean? in love with me. <laughs> oh. yeah. I mean, he did have me in his office for 20 minutes trying to learn my last name, which I thought was an excessive. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> which is a, a nice segue <laughs> to the <laughs> Yeah, so for everyone who's listening, Sydney's not white, and Ian's not straight, and I'm not straight, and Matt's not straight. And as a little bit of <laughs> background, <laughs> and I don't know. Seeing as That's we're talking about this random high school as if it's a household name, <laughs> it's probably uh, fair to give a little background that uh, Milton Academy is a old school New England prep school that we all went to. Not me. Well, honor, honorable member. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, I feel like I went to Milton, but yeah. You can be my plus one to my 10 year reunion. Although thank Ian God. won't be there, so. Same Ian, here. you're gonna be Lindsay's plus one. What am I saying? Oh, For God. sure. The four of us will tear it up. We can all ask Mr. <laughs> if he's gay. <laughs> we'll say Mr. Just- we try- know you're gay. <laughs> Let's just all try to seduce him, and whoever <laughs> wins, see what yeah. I'm also, for everyone listening, I can promise really quickly, I know that not many of us listening probably went to Milton, but the stories from this place are fucking ridiculous. Like, everything I hear about it, it's incredible. So I'm very, I'm excited to see where this conversation is gonna <laughs> oh, go, um, truly. But also, I think that it's just, I mean, we were chatting a little bit before we turned on the microphone, and I was relating to some of it still because, like, the shared high school experience is is fascinating. Something, Matt, I'm interested whether you felt as well because Sydney and I offline were talking about, which was that we both felt a bit one foot in and one foot out in the sense that I really did not want to be defined as that gay kid. And from what you were saying, you did not want to be defined as the black girl. Yeah, yeah, totally. And just like from my perspective that I rejected it. I think you were a little bit more, I was like all my feet out. (laughs) I, I didn't ever go to an Onyx meeting, which Onyx was like the, uh, on campus, um, like the like, black student group basically. yeah the black student group i guess and i was like so opposed to even attending those meetings which looking back is utterly depressing <laughs> but yeah um i don't i don't know i think when i when i first got there um it was like i was super super outgoing um when i was uh, I think I was like six. I think I was sixteen when I got there because I came in as a sophomore. Um, and I I was like way more outgoing than I am now. So I just kind of like dove right in and really just like made myself a part of the community. And like if it like if it wasn't for me or if it like it wouldn't have worked. But I like found a few friends who just were like super down to earth and just like from there just branched out and flourished and like forced the community to like kind of be my own 
um, which was just kind of my personality at the time. It was, it was definitely like really aggressive, um, and a little over the top, but that hasn't really changed. Um, (laughs) but I, I definitely found as, and I think a lot of it had to do honestly with like starting to re like starting to be more comfortable with, um, being gay that I, there was a lot that I wasn't getting from the community, which is where I think my like one foot in one foot out kind of came from. I think at first, like when I first came out, I was really into, like, I love my friends in high school. I still do. Um, I have really great memories of high school and of my friends, but so like when I first came out, I was really into the idea of like, not being any different than I was before. Cause I did a year in the closet when I was there. And then I came out my second, but the summer before my second year, which is my junior year. I mean, well, I spent, you know, 15, but, yeah. um, <laughs> I was like really into the idea of being like, I'm not any different than I was. Like everything is still the same. Like, you know, I can still, you know, there are, there aren't like any guys for me to date or whatever. And that's like fine. That's like whatever. Um, but as I kind of like got older and got into senior year, I started to realize like how much I was really missing out on. Um, and that kind of got me to withdraw a little bit from the community or from like my friend groups in, in the sense of like, I know that there's more out there for me that I'm not getting here. So I'm not gonna kind of like give my all to this because I because I like I genuinely can't give my all when this isn't like everything that is for me if that makes sense it does yeah so I, I I think it was less about like I don't feel comfortable or like I don't want to be known it's just like a this genuinely isn't a space where I can give all of me or like be all of myself so that was kind of where my reservation came mm. from and that's something that you feel like you realized while you were still in high school Mm-hmm. yeah for sure I mean like by the time I got to to be a senior um and like I had started I had like made a gay friend who was at another prep school um yes fine we were we like hooked up once or twice that's how we knew each other but it was like f- <laughs> it was like kind of from that that I was like oh there's like so much more that I'm not experiencing that like I'm realizing other people are experiencing and I am not and they're experiencing that within our bubble and that's not an option for me so it 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 kind of pulled me like once I realized that it like pulled me out and I was like oh like I guess I'm not like as much a part of this as I thought I was or like there are part there are facets of this that people are are experiencing that I'm not and it was kind of, it was almost like a you thought you were two feet in but actually this whole time you've been one foot in one foot out if that makes sense yeah totally yeah it does it's interesting though because I definitely feel like I mean I was lucky I had you as an example and almost even more so I had my friend Dan, who is also a close friend of Sydney, who came out, I think, like, our junior year of Milton in my grade. 
So that was truly life-changing to have a close friend who was also a gay guy going through similar things. But it wasn't until Tufts that I felt like I really owned being gay as a part of my identity when I fell in with people like Aaron and tons of our other gay guy friends from Tufts and just having that community and having that shared experience, which I don't want to discredit, I have amazing female friends and straight male friends from Milton, but there is that missing piece where you feel like they can't connect on that mm-hmm. level. I'm not sure if you feel Oh, no, I fully agree. Um, and I, I mean, you don't come out as black, but I did as close <laughs> to you can as that, honestly. Like, I, totally. I really, not that I rejected that part of myself ever, but I just didn't want to make it a thing. Um, I just, and part of that is just how I was raised. I wanted people to just see me for who I was. Um, and then pretty much immediately after moving to LA, which I think honestly doesn't even have as much to do with Milton and just has to do with living in Massachusetts mm-hmm. in general. Um, <laughs> I you know, realized that you could go places and that there could be a completely homogenous mix of different cultures all in the same place, which is really not, I mean, when I go back to Boston these days, especially like going out to bars and stuff. It's like this uncomfortable, like I really, I, I can't fathom that that's where I grew up and that it can be so different from other places in this country. It's just so interesting. The rest of the world. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's interesting hearing you guys talk about this because it kind of reminds me when I, cause I, I didn't have that in high school either. Like, I felt very, like, I don't know, I just didn't touch my sexuality. I, like, minimized it. But then I had it in college, and I was very in tune with it. And then when I left college and when I was living in Europe for a year, when I was working for that travel company, I was surrounded by so many amazing people, similar to what you're saying when you were in high school. And it's like, of course, I formed great bonds there, but there was literally not a single person there that, like, understood what it was to be gay. And after a while i was just like wow a very core part of my identity is just like not i'm not i'm not doing it like i'm just like i'm i don't know this is like a big part of who i am and i've just been putting it on pause for a long time and it's weird and then i came back and immediately just like reignited the flame and i was like thank god (laughs) like so good to be back and like it, it was still a great experience by all means but i I, it was it was weird having that realization of like holy fuck like where is that entire other like part of my life but it is interesting at least for me that I mean so much of my life first being in the closet and then really minimizing not minimizing because I would address it openly but it's something that I would address to sort of get it out of the way and yeah. be done with it that I can exactly and I can sort of it's almost disturbing that I can sleep soundly sort of minimizing that part of myself and I've even been in situations post-college where I'm in environments where I catch myself actively sort of reverting Mm. to that sense where I play off my sexuality as a joke Mm. and something that can sort of be 
laughed off and moved on and then sort of quickly fetishized. It's like, oh, you're gay, but you're not that type of gay. Or, oh, you're not the type of gay that makes it hyper-political. And I do think, even though obviously we all were very privileged and lucky to go to a school like Milton, and I'm very grateful for it, but I think that old school form of education really teaches you to put your identity on the back burner Mm -hmm. and try to Mm -hmm. put everything else before it. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I I definitely do find myself at times trying to almost like carve out like this tiny little niche of the communities that like I've grown up in and that we like went to high school in. That's like, what is the least impact I can make and like how can I fit in with those communities as best as possible but just have like a little blip that's like I'm just a little bit different you know it's 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 not enough for it to to be more than like a a conversation like once in a while but something that's not noticeable enough for it to be like oh he's like not like really part of the community what was it like for you being at a place like Milton in an all boys dorm? Yeah, that was um that was interesting. It was it was definitely Were you like weird. the only out person in your dorm also. Um my junior year I was um and honestly, I think I don't know where it came from or like what I I don't think I can pinpoint something exactly. Um, I think the fact that we like our school, like, even if it wasn't in practice, it like, it said that it was like a a very liberal, progressive, or socially, socially liberal, I should say, progressive um, environment. So like, in in some sense, I like, I felt okay that like, at the end of the day, I was gonna, there were gonna be people who were on my side. Um, It, there wasn't, so I lived in a dorm with 44 boys and there were definitely your like toxically masculine um, personalities and people there, but there was never, I, I was lucky in that, you know, there wasn't a lot of blatant homophobia going on before I came out. Um, I mean, there were, there were plenty of jokes. Um, and even after I came out, there were plenty of jokes, but it was never like directed at me which was nice. Um, and I think part of me coming out, you know, there was around in certain crowds, I would kind of, I guess like around like some of my girlfriends, I would definitely not play up necessarily, but like feel more comfortable to express more like feminine traits or like the more like, uh, flamboyant parts of myself. But I, I definitely found that when I was like in the dorm, um, I was definitely playing up a little bit or like comp- compensating with the like traditionally masculine things. Like, you know, I was still like actively watching and I, and I do enjoy it, but I was like making it a point to like be watching sports with like the other guys and like be talking about the sports games and like playing video games with the guys and whatnot. And just like trying to do, trying to like make it a point that like, all the things that I like did when everybody like thought I was straight, which, you know, who knows if anybody actually thought that, but, um, (laughs) just like the things that everybody else was doing, I was like, 
I know I was kind of like making it a point to like participate in those things too, just to like make it seem that things weren't super weird or make it seem like it wasn't anything that people make it seem like it wasn't, I wasn't somebody that was like totally foreign to them. Um, and, and I say all of that, but I did have some like really, really great guys in the dorm that like when I did come out, like some to, I came out to a couple people, um, in my grade and to the guy that I was rooming with over the summer. Um, and they were super awesome. I mean, they were like, essentially like you know you know good for you like that's awesome um you know this doesn't really change anything you know you're we're still bros whatever um which I'm super grateful for and I'm super lucky about uh super lucky that that happened to me um but it 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 was definitely very isolating to a degree um like I like I was saying before there was just like a whole part of me that you know I was living with these guys that I just like couldn't really talk about um not because it was like taboo it just kind of would have been like weird like it would have been like talking to a wall because they would have been like like you know like I don't know how to respond to you yeah exactly um but my senior year there was a a kid who came in he had been a day student previously but he ended up boarding um for his sophomore year um, shout out to Davis. Um, <laughs> but that was really like, honestly game changing just because like we would be able to talk about things going on in the dorm, talk about the, like the little things or, um, and just kind of like be there for each other. Not that anything ever like happened particular where we were like, Oh my God, like you know, this person who lives down the hall just called me a faggot, you know, like nothing like that ever really happened. It was just kind of those, like those little things and that kind of comfort of like, I can, I can say whatever around this person who is in the same situation as me all the time and in the same living environment. And we just kind of like get each other in a different level. That's pretty long winded. Did, uh, (laughs) did that make sense? I'm, yeah, cur- I'm yeah. curious if you guys felt anything like that when you were there too. I mean, maybe you can. Th- I mean, it was such a different experience to be a day student. I think because you know anything that happened at school, you just got to go home to your parents at night. You could like separate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like leaving a job. And you're like, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, like, I, <laughs> the day's over. Honestly, I get to go home. Honestly, I get to just chill. Um, I don't know. Can you speak to this? I mean, no, not in the same way, because I feel like it happened to me later. It wasn't until sort of Tufts where I had those experiences of, like, living with guys, etc. Did you not live in, did you live in an all-guys dorm when you were there? Or were you a day student? I was a day student. Oh, you were too? Yeah. Both Sydney and I were day students. Got it. And... I mean, that makes sense. You lived... So close. Very close by. Yeah. (laughs) No, and it's interesting, like... That's something that I feel like Sydney and I have talked about a lot, which is the difference between... I sort of shudder away between saying, like, microaggressions, because what lingers in my mind is not actually micro in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. Like, it's overt racism or overt homophobia. But it's not directed at you. Exactly. It's not directed necessarily at a black person or at a gay person or at a lesbian. So it's like... Mm. if 
you call a straight girl a dyke or a straight dude a faggot or if you say to a white person that's so ghetto like you drive this type of car or you have this type of jacket like obviously that's not micro in the way we talk about now but it felt that way because it was not such a sting that would make you write off someone I agree and I also think at least with racism at Milton in my experience the black community pretty much stuck together and stuck to themselves and I was kind of an enigma and that I didn't really go down that route and I just like made a bunch of friends freshman year like I think everyone did and then had a few very close friends um through the end so I think it was maybe the maybe there was less overt racism directed towards specific people because it was truly I mean I don't want to say segregated but in a way it almost was I mean you guys will remember there was literally a place called the block where all the black students would and students of color in general I think would hang out um and they tried sort of to disband that was that like our senior who's year? they <laughs> like the administration <laughs> this they, was just like how did yeah yeah in the student center it was like below the stairs sort of or downstairs there was like a corner where only students of color would hang out yeah and it was just well i mean in general there was a weird thing at milton where we were split up by grade into sections of the student center which i already really think is yeah. bizarre not yeah. officially no 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 uh, but like hierarchically but yes. like truly like the the mm-hmm. upper class when we're upstairs and the lower class when we're downstairs yeah mm-hmm. it was it was pretty intense um, and it was super weird too because there was like a it was almost like a not a courtyard but it was like an indoor like on the upper level there was like a like mezzanine yeah yeah exactly and you could just kind of like stand on the railing and look down on where all of the underclassmen were <laughs> and that and was people like a, a past of it shut up well this might have to be cut or else <laughs> i'll revoke my <laughs> diploma <laughs> also, I, that got... was, I thought that was always rumor. I thought oh, I never saw that. Not. I mean, that... What, wasn't, not... what wasn't rumor Girl. was when the freshmen and sophomore girls would walk up and numbers would just be Shout screamed out. out. No way. That was not rumor. That Matt, was... are like you kidding? Them? Yeah. They would like rate. like I remember oh literally God. the first week I've, of my freshman I've, year. Like, you must have blocked this. <laughs> I must have blocked that this out is because I like re- I like remember that that was like a thing and that was like talked about that they would like rank or like give numbers to girls, but I never realized that it was like yelled at them. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember being shocked because I didn't know like I I had no idea and I was just hearing like four seven like and I was like what the hell and you're like thank God seven not four. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh well, you could you could never really discern because so many people were walking up the stairs yeah, and, at the same time <laughs> oh my god that's horrible yeah. god i thought it jesus fuck <laughs> i mean the it's it's really interesting thinking back on like the block because um i was friends with a lot of people 
who would like typically hang out in the block and um i would like i would go over there and not so i would i actually like understood this back then that like my presence there was not like always a hundred percent of the time like not accepted or wanted but that like me being there like change things a little bit like I understood that it was well, like a, a different dynamic <laughs> really because, yeah because I was not a person who hung out there so I remember just like the few times that it was definitely like well because in some ways I think I was a bit ostracized in that situation because it was looked at like I was rejecting that wow. by not wanting to be a part of it that's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess it kind of like makes sense in a in a way. Not Oh, I I think I think it does. I mean, looking back, there are a lot of things I would have done very differently because mm. I think I they're mean, definitely yeah. <laughs> like well, like, of course, but like there are things that I really think I missed out on in that like age of 14 to eight, like things that you can't really get when you're older and you know everything. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, 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 do, I do know what you mean. I mean, there's oh, there's a lot that I would go back and change, but I think everybody kind of feels that way. Mm-hmm. But um, but don't you feel lucky? The one thing I yeah. will say about oh my God, yeah. Oh my God, is, yeah. Is that I feel very lucky that there were students from all around the world and even though it was a very privileged bubble, there were a lot of scholarship kids. So you did meet people from completely different sides of the track, completely different sides of the Atlantic, and everyone was sort of forced to sit together around a table and talk about books or history or science or whatever it is. And I think it's an interesting experience because when I talk to people who come from more homogenous high schools, and those experiences, it is limited for better or worse. Like, Absolutely. But, and I will say to speak to that like point of like in the classroom, especially with these small classes at Milton, I do feel like that in that setting, things sort of melted away. Like I think intellect was really valued in the sense that I never felt like I couldn't speak up in class if I had something valuable to say. Like, I I always felt like my opinion was valued. I mean, if I was saying something smart, but like, (laughs) but like, but but you know what I mean? I mean, especially I think in English and in history, because everything was just fully discussion-based. But I think that that experience of sitting around a table with like 10 other people really dissecting something is very unique and I'm so incredibly grateful for forever grateful and I actually thought about writing one of Sydney and I's favorite teachers um Miss Baker a letter and I wasn't quite sure how to formulate my thoughts but I was thinking about For better or worse, we were educated in a slightly more ignorant and a little bit more innocent time. If you think about the fact that alt-right was not a phrase coined when we were being educated in high school, 
Yeah. Cancel culture was not a phrase coined when we were being educated. There was that level of freedom, and I'm sure, again, we were both victims and perpetrators of a lot of shit that, thank God, we're more educated about now. But I'm also grateful that we got the experience to sit around a table, throw ideas around, debate without the gravity that I think those discussions rightly are given now. Because you could learn about yourself, you could learn about each other, you could learn about the text. There was just sort of that elasticity of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Mm. I I totally agree. I think when I, and I have had that thought before that like, you know, when I was, when we were in high school, the way that we talked about things was so different from now, but I, I have found that I gravitate towards the idea of when I was going through that learning process, both in the classroom and out of the classroom, who, who did I hurt and who did I harm in learning about myself and about the world? And if I could go back and listen to some of the conversations that I had and some of the things that I probably said, um, you know, what would be my reaction now to some of those things? And it's, it's honestly something that's made me want to reach out to some people that um, I was really close with and without anything specific in mind, just to say like, you know, I, I, I learned a lot from just talking to the people that I went to school with and Ian, I totally echo and feel what you say about, you know, uh, we were sat around tables and forced into, into places with people who were just from very different parts of the world and from different backgrounds as us. And that is honestly what taught me the most and what I'm so grateful for. But I just, I know that having come from where I come from, that I said things and that out of, uh, purely because I didn't know any better, but that I know hurt people. Um, and I just wonder if, if some of the things that we are talking about now, if I had known those things back then, if I would have learned the way that I did, um, and if but I would, how can you? But like, how can you hold yourself? Like, how can you be mad at yourself for that? Genuinely. I like because I do think that it's an impo- it's important to look back on that and to learn from your past mistakes and to grow and I, but like and I totally agree like there are a lot of things that I wish that I could change when I was younger based off of the things that I've learned being older but but and just I don't have an answer for this and I don't know if you will but like at, at right. what point do you like, like do you forgive yourself watch Keeping up with the Kardashians, the first few seasons. Oh watch God. Jersey Shore. Yeah. Watch any of the like yeah. <laughs> trash TV no. that was omnipresent. They're like, that's so gay. That's so ghetto. Like, yeah. that was mainstream popular culture. I was culture. watching Jersey Shore the other day. I have no idea why. But, <laughs> um, I mean, why would it? Why would it? You? They were. They they kept saying tranny. Yeah. And I was like. RuPaul used to say tranny. We were having this discussion the other night. It's like one of the main fame, one of the main frigger, excuse me, what? One of the like main faces of the like queer movement literally used to say you have she-male like on a television show. And like for years, like that was just a society that we lived in. It was fully perpetuating everything that we learned as children. And like speaking on that note, Matt, like coming from a very homogenous tiny town, how, how, like, 
I mean, I think that people nowadays can do better. And like, I thank God that we're having the conversations that we're having, but I don't know. And, and I'm not patting the Republican party on the bat. (laughs) I'm not patting the Republican party on the back at all. But something that struck me last night's debate, which was Kamala Harris versus Mike Pence, was that Mike Pence, like Trump, to not a full degree, but accepted the existence of global warming, which when you look back on the debates between Joe Biden and Sarah Palin, which was, you know, we were not that young. Was that 2008? 2008. Yeah. They were talking about evolution. So as much as we feel that some of the shit we said, and I absolutely agree, there are many people who I've thought about like whether I should reach out and apologize for things that I'm sure I have said. But I also think you have to put that in the perspective of the larger landscape when if you turn on the TV, we're talking about whether evolution exists or not, and then you turn on MTV and faggot rips, and you turn on E and hood, all of this stuff, that people would lose their careers if yeah. anyone said that now. Yeah. And it was just commonplace. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think I guess it, it, it's less about the, like, the specific words and just more of the like, at what cost did I learn what I learned? You know, like... At what point was it a negative experience for somebody else to have certain types of conversations with me and with other people around me? And what did that tell them about themselves and where they came from Um, and what that meant for how they saw themselves in the larger community that we were living in, you know, um, and part of that too is language and the the terms that I was likely using back then. But it what like like I was saying, like it, it kinda all boils down to like I learned a lot. And even if I wasn't saying even if I was saying all of the right words, you know, in having in just having those conversations coming from where I came from and learning from my peers about different parts of the world, like at what cost was my learning when it was hurting them to have to essentially check my privilege but i also i don't think that that's your fault at all because what i will say is my main critique of the way that milton teaches things is that i think sometimes they really like hammer home and value controversy and like having (laughs) yeah and having a controversial opinion is something that was praised and was like and it really didn't matter in what way it was controversial and sometimes it would spark like amazing progressive discussions but i think sometimes i felt like that was drowned out by you know kids who didn't really know any better um, saying terrible things, <laughs> you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I also think that that's something that that old school type of education runs the risk of acting as if everyone around the table is emancipated from the real world consequences yeah. 
of whatever we're debating. Yeah. So if we're debating wow, history yeah. or socioeconomic structures, or even if you're re- reading poetry, if you're sitting around talking about Ezra Pound and T.S. Eliot and that sort of utterly brilliant men who also had a totally fascist bend, if kids from privilege are sitting around a table with kids who do not necessarily come from that same background and perhaps are victims of certain ideas that those authors might, or Lovecraft, for instance, might have actively spread, Mm. it runs the risk of everyone acting as if it's a thought experiment. Yeah, and that's why sometimes I hated that I felt like so often it was like this attitude of, well, we're all so intelligent. Like, we're all such smart people that we can have these discussions and, you know, rise above whatever the real world repercussions of that might be. However, not to debate myself, the one thing that (laughs) does piss me off is when I see on social media all the time people saying, don't play devil's advocate, like, that's basically giving a voice to the oppressor. I will say I profoundly disagree with that because I think if you are sure in your belief, then you should not be scared Mm -hmm. of being seduced by the other side. Because Mm -hmm. if logic and empathy and honesty stand on your side, let everyone debate anything you want because you should be damn sure that your argument beats it and i think the fear of hearing any other perspective will backfire yeah well and that that reminds me of the conversation that we were having the other night about how you we were saying that you know it's it's kind of almost detrimental when you see the language of like aoc goes up and like destroys this person on the floor and it's like well I agree, like, of course I'm going to back her, and, like, she's coming from a, a, a point of, that, that like, uh, she's following science, whatever. But I don't think that it nece- you necessarily need to, like, drown out the other point and just, like, fucking rip them a new one. You need to fucking listen to where they're coming from and try to understand it, because, like you're saying, as long as you, be- like, fully believe in yourself and believe that where you're coming from is the truth, which... I think that we are all in agreement of like, at least in this example, like we are all coming from the same point and it's the fact-driven perspective. It's, it's not necessarily about just like silencing the other, the other party and the other per- person in the conversation. It's about truly like disproving them and saying, well, like what you're saying is not true. And I know that there's a lot of like, of course, conversation that doesn't fucking happen anymore. Like, yes, <laughs> but I also think having a certain level of empathy to the other side. For instance, I've talked to a lot of people, and this surprises some queer friends of mine, who are not in favor of gay marriage. And I actually enjoy having those conversations because nine times out of 10, I do not think people come from an overtly hateful place. They might come from ignorance, they might come from prejudice, but they don't come from the sadistic sort of boogeyman hard right fear that I think a lot of us worry is like lurking in the shadows of this country, which that does exist. But I think 
the ability to sit down, and I am grateful for Milton for giving this to us, because I think when I got to Tufts, those conversations were actively silenced. Mm. And I enjoy that Milton, for all the flaws, allowed us to be able to sit at a table and clearly articulate why we feel something. I agree. I think my... The one qualm I have with what you're saying, or or maybe not the one qualm, but the one um, place where I feel a bit differently is that I am less likely to engage in a conversation where it's very clear regardless of where they're coming from and which is definitely um, a bit of a fault of my own that I do try to work on just because I know not everybody comes from the same place but when the other argument is not a difference of opinion that is um, respectful but more of a their opinion is a rejection and denial of humanity to a degree or well totally period um those are conversations that i'm less likely to be more civil in and and by that i mean less likely to sit down and have the conversation where we're both able to articulate where we're coming from when your opinion is rooted in the denial of someone's right to exist and right to live um, a free and full life. Um, I don't <laughs> respect that. Yeah, and I'm not I, willing, I, I'm not I willing to engage in a conversation. What I was trying to get at before was that I really disliked that I felt like sometimes teachers at Milton would reward that. Not reward as in like, giving them better grades or something but just like accept that behavior like and it didn't obviously I liked that everyone was entitled to their own opinions and could say a lot like pretty much whatever <laughs> they wanted to say but I just didn't <laughs> like feeling that being controversial was often like oh that was such a great discussion it's like no it was a discussion but how productive was it really and like amongst 16 year olds like i'm not sure Mm -hmm. and like what effects did it have on some of the people who were a part of the discussion yeah that you know was it was it worth it yeah um and i don't disagree with that i i mean i also very much struggle with for sure having the conversations with people that are trying to strip people of their human rights like it's i i totally yeah, I mean, of course, I of course I agree with you on that, but I think it almost from like something I've been trying to do and not necessarily doing very well. But it reminds me almost circling back to like when we were talking about when we were the people in high school and we were saying shit, and then it was just based off of where we came from and our understanding of the world, and like I put up a status, probably like three months ago at this point where I was like, if you are supporting Donald Trump, like, please actually like message me because I want to have a conversation with you as to why. And then of course, like it didn't actually end up going that well because I (laughs) blew a short fuse and I was like, I was like, how do you make sense of it to people who don't want 
things to be made sense of at this point, especially with like politics. It's like whatever. But but okay, this is where, and maybe we'll have to cut this. But <laughs> this, this is where I struggle because I have a friend who is still a Trump supporter, and I texted him after the first presidential debate between he and Joe Biden after Trump said, you know, to the quote-unquote proud boys, stand by and stand back because someone has to protect against Antifa and the left. I hope I'm quoting that in full. I texted him thoughts because I literally wanted to know what he said. And he said, yeah, that was stupid. But if you actually look at what, what Trump does, it's a very different thing than what he just says. And even though my first reaction to that was like, fuck you, like, you're crazy, I still like to be able to have those conversations because I do think that we have lost something when we're not able to talk to half of this country. Because I do think that, again, going back to what you said, I'm sure that all of us have said things that we desperately wish we could take back out of sheer ignorance and not hatred. And I think we can't just like yank the ladder up behind us. Like we have to still extend a certain level of empathy and hope that we're able to change those people's minds. Can we take a pee break? Yeah, pee break. Sure. A pause. Also, can this not just become like me defending Trump's supporters? <laughs> can we go back yeah. to Milton? Also, let's talk about like gay shit. Yeah. Yeah. This is like gone, even though I stand with everything I said, and this is an interesting discussion. Ian, did you have a wonderful relationship with Miss like I did? No, fuck her. I was just gonna she, say, she, I know that Ian really didn't like, and I also didn't really like Miss. So, something we should talk about on the record we're not still recording, are we? We are. Oh, God. Well, she, she was the diving coach, so I spent a ton of time with her, and so we got to know each other like very well. She forced Sydney and I into this weird ass. Yeah. Please describe it, Sydney. It was like. Oh God. Well, I think Miss Baker came to us and was like, "Oh, we're filming something about like sexual assault and anything to do with that, like at Milton. And can you guys please, like, be." like guest stars in this like yeah and we of course like literally worshipped the ground rocked on so we were like okay um and then I mean, she's so hot so <laughs> no she was she's beautiful like, she's like suddenly beautiful but i also will yeah. say in case we bring up anything with miss please include this that i literally owe miss or mr and mr my career because and I don't know if you feel the same way they were some of the few people who really encouraged pursuing creative careers which Sydney oh. and I are some of the few wow. people who did a hundred percent yeah wow I I didn't really I don't think I I never English wasn't really my thing I don't really know what was my thing <laughs> we're gonna come back in from the break we're gonna reel it back in we're gonna pull it back to the gay shit yeah Milton we need to like also throw out just as I also think just to add arc 
if we bring in any of this discussion, we should like talk about the Harkness table, talk about like the Socratic method, like to give some of our view, your viewers. We didn't know this. You, you fuckers <laughs> don't know shit about the Socratic method. What? You, <laughs> oh, don't even talk about the Socratic method to me. What? Because you're a law student now. <laughs> It is traumatizing. <laughs> this is such a relatable episode. <laughs> so many <laughs> Truly. I really I think everyone listen- listening to this is, is going to be like, oh my god. They're like, I hate the Socratic method. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> They're like, I lost my virginity under I'm, a harkness table. Oh. What was that from? Betches. Didn't someone? Betches. Batches. Batches. Before, okay, keep this in. So, I don't know how. America. America. So, whoever Betches Loveless PR is, they deserve mm. a Pulitzer Prize. Because if Not you a Pulitzer, had, a Pulitzer. A Pulitzer. Because, <laughs> Lily Pulitzer. <laughs> um, because when we were in high school, it was like, this is how you starve yourself. This is how you have like a gay best friend who should ditch you. Like when you want to get some D, like these are like the I five have... favorite doormen you should have. One's Latina, one's an alcoholic, one's black and one's Irish. Like that, that was literally the content they had. And now they're like woke and telling us like, 15 reasons why we should vote for Biden. This is Betches? Betches. <laughs> it used to be, it used to make bar stool look woke. <laughs> and midway through Tufts, when I saw that there was a rebrand, I went and took screenshots of some of the old things. Matthew's crying again. Bitches, I love you. I loved you more when you were bad, but still love you. And, oh my god. And I took screenshots because I'm like, I know this shit is gonna go away. Like one of them was about like being cold, and it's like the most important thing about being cold all the time is proving that you're skinnier than anyone else in the room. That that your needs should be recognized above everyone else's, and that you can wear a fur a little hoodie with your crop top in the winter. I They rebranded at exactly uh, the right time. They knew it was that coming. That is a fashion choice. I think I'm here for it. I'm going to make that choice. Yeah. <laughs> a fur crop top. Yeah, but to reel it back. Yes, it's that type of humor, I feel like was something that flew at Milton, where it was like- 100%. You did not know the difference between where satire and serious thought. Yes. And in the same way, (laughs) I think it was funny how Matt, you were saying earlier, oh, I thought that was a rumor. Rumor and fact at Milton really blurred together Mm. quite a bit. Perception is reality. I mean, I think to this day there are many things that I like totally wrote off as rumor that were fact. I mean, I, I and then I'm like, oh yeah, oh my that's God. why I believed everything in high school because most of it really was true. <laughs> Am I involved in any of them? No. <laughs> oh well, that sucks. <laughs> no, 
Well, and I think vice versa. There's a lot of things that I assume happen that very well may be totally rumored. Yeah, that's... Um, but Milton had a very interesting thing that I was actually describing to Aaron recently, which, to quote-unquote combat rumors, they would read all of the disciplinary <laughs> statements out to the entire school. So say Shut if up. Sydney were suspended for hooking up with someone on campus, it would say, Sydney Adedemola, <laughs> class two, was caught in an act of fornication <laughs> on Observatory Hill on Tuesday the 16th. It's like a public flogging. Literally, year it's of straight our lives. And <laughs> she has been given a sentence of 11 Death. days. <laughs> she will be stoned as the adulteress she is. No, but it literally was like Everybody that. grab your stone. <laughs> they, they, she comes out with like a scarlet letter. No, but they literally would read aloud everyone's statement, tell the quote unquote crime, and they truly believed in public shaming was a good way to keep people on track. And... That was something that I found so interesting when I got to Tufts, that it wasn't such a shame culture. And I feel, especially in the gay world, I shame in different ways because I... The fuck is that? What is that? Is like War of the Worlds happening? You guys getting raptured? Chainsaw murderer coming through the fucking front door? Oh great, it stopped. I don't know what that was. Anyway, you were saying... Oh, rapture. <laughs> oh, but I was saying, it's interesting, coming from such a shame-based culture, mm. when it's I got different. to Tufts, I found myself recoiling, and I still do a bit, from a lot of, like, gay culture, in the sense that, obviously, I participate <laughs> in tons of things in gay culture that I would recoil if they were discussed in front of straight people or mm-hmm. in front oh God, of yeah. anyone who I view as an authority. Yeah. And I remember... Oh, my God, yeah. So Sydney's best friend in the world, and one of my good friends, Marina, was on my roof in Boston, and she was meeting for the first time one of our gay friends from Tufts. This guy says something very pornographic that we would talk about all the time freely, right? Mm-hmm. About a grinder hookup. And Marina, not out of prejudice, just straight people don't talk like that, was like aghast. <laughs> aghast. <laughs> and I found myself like literally like knots in my stomach. So it's knowing your audience, and then these two gay, these two little homos walk in and don't know the audience. <laughs> well, it's also like, even it's funny, like with my parents, when they met my parents. Oh, your parents. Yeah. <laughs> my parents are like very open about some things. And. Would you say most things? <sighs> Sydney, you would be good to chime in on um... this. I feel like I would say like. I don't think so. A good yeah. set of things, but like... Yeah. Okay. I would say they are open about... Certain things. Once again, to go back to Milton, <laughs> anything can be discussed like at the dinner table, but a certain way. Mm. And it's constructive. Yeah. 
So you can use all the euphemisms and stories you want, but it's like, you're not going to give pornographic antidotes mm. at lunch. Which, thank God, when I meet Over he, a panini. Yeah, literally. Like, we're not going to have a cheese board. Like, talking about, like, you getting fucked in the back of the house. But my, my parents also, their idea of, like, the sex talk with me was to give me the book A Baby Was Born when I was five. Like, when you were five? Yeah. Like, like they were like, that's it. <laughs> They're like, you'll know the science when you're very young. and Okay. That's all. My, my I can respect that. Like, Here you go. I was like 10. My dad sat me down quite grandly. I was probably like 10 or 11. And he said, son, when a man marries a woman and wants to have a child, he lays on top of her and a baby is produced. I'm picturing this. I have a very vivid picture in my head of your dad. And I was like... Is it produced right then and there? <laughs> poof. Poof, poof. Later on, I accrued more knowledge by asking more and more inquisiting questions. Okay, so I think that that's probably the best spot to um, cut this episode in half. So I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode. It was a lot of fun to make and a lot of fun to film and a lot of just, it was just fun. Yeah, you can tell that we're getting slightly unhinged. So just get ready for next week's episode as this continues. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, rate us five stars on Apple, and then share it with a friend, you know, share the wealth. We really appreciate it. Happy Tuesday. We will talk to you again next week. And until then, stay clear.